What's up, everybody? It's uh, Robert Gowan. I'm sitting here with... Hey, it's Kyle. How are you guys? And along with... Sean Jarvis. Sean Jarvis. All right. So um, this topic is an interesting one because I think um, a lot of leaders out there may view positively or negatively about when somebody uses the emotion as part of their leadership experience and... Um, there are people who feel like they get more out of it when they uh, bring a little bit more emotion, and there are other people that feel like they're going to totally tune, tune somebody out if they bring that type of thing to the uh, to the front. So I just want to throw it at you guys. From your experience, and I mean we've got in the room here somewhere in the neighborhood of 50-something years worth of Army experience in different periods of the Army, but uh, what, what did you guys find? And then also think about that, too, out here in the private sector, because we've all made the transition. So, um, you know, when we started defining things like toxic leaders and stuff like that, some of this plays over into it. What's your thoughts? Um, staying emotionless when it becomes to a standard, I think, is important. Showing emotion for those who are under your care or who are caring for you um, is how you have an, how you're an empathetic leader. There's no emotion in the standard, but there's emotion when it comes to that subordinate's reaction to the standard, if that makes sense whatsoever. No, it definitely does. And you actually talked and touched on this a little bit in the podcast episode. Yeah. So, um, so many different layers to this question. Um, it's either positive emotion mm-hmm. because no one ever complains about the positive emotion. If I'm rucking with my scout team that's doing the gaining club competition and they're doing the ruck march and I'm first Sergeant Jarvis and I'm running behind him with the guide on, that's emotion. Yeah. That's emotionally driven motivation that's pushing my teammates, my soldiers from a leadership standpoint to achieve something great. Or possibly great, right? Any complaints about that kind of emotion? No. No, right. that's, that, that's the asset portion. Yeah. So um, emotion when somebody does something wrong during a training exercise and then, you know, you're getting a little bit out of hand and you're letting your personal emotion get into it. And I'll give an example. So this is actually going someplace. <clears throat> no shit, there I was. I mean... JRTC, we're sitting in a combat operation post, um, getting ready to fight the Mad Horde. And I'm running this combat operation post as basically a a logistical uh, supply point for people that are getting ready to push forward. So it's not a forward passage in lines because it's 360 degree security and enemies everywhere, but we're kind of out there. So it allows people that are not organic to our organization to come in, refuel, refit. So we run into one of these situations. Once again, this is training, okay? I am dealing with an MP um, company, mine is coming in, and they're, you know, I'm, I'm trying to hook them up, and we've got this thing set up beautifully to where we're going to refuel and the move and get more ammo, and, and, it's, and it's working great. And then um, we have this, you know, notional injury that we're trying to get these people out of there. Long story short, EXO makes an on-the-fly call to disregard any aerial um, combat evacuation, you know, like a helicopter. Just bring in a helicopter. And we told him that. And he said no. He, he went ahead and shooed them away and said that we were going to go um, by Humvee. 
And so that that's when my emotion kicked in. And I completely lost my military bearing on that young lieutenant <laughs> and told him about himself and probably in front of half of the troop and then all the MPs um, about how much of a POS he was for making the decision and he wasn't the commander. And that came from a place of um, f- familiar. It was very familiar to me. Mm-hmm. So the decision that he made was something that I may or may not have dealt with in the past. So I let that emotion out. So my question to you is that, is that positive or negative? <clears throat> you know, listening to that, it sounded like they, he tripped the trigger of something that was probably deeper that you had to deal with. Um, the fact that you lost your military bearing and the way you did it, I don't think that was necessarily positive. It could have been positive in that what you were trying to explain um, was needed, but it was the delivery method yeah. that was the problem. Yeah, correct. So do you think that lieutenant learned something from that? I think he probably got more angry with your anger than he did in opening his ears to what you had to say. Which would typically be the case, but in this case it wasn't. So after this one-sided conversation, I actually was approached by him, and we had a, a good sit-down and a talk about it. And he learned a lot from that. So based off of my delivery. You got his attention. I did get his attention. I didn't mean to do it. That was just a raw emotion behind it. That in that moment actually worked in my favor. But I agree with you. Wrong way to deliver um, in a training environment. But with that, he understood the importance of the decision that he made. So he knew, though, because he was probably younger and kind of seen you more as that senior, you know, um, seasoned individual. Yeah. They, Thanks for calling me seasoned, <laughs> not old. <laughs> you, because of your approach, your delivery, it grabbed his attention. Now, that could have, like we just said, it could have gone a very different way. Oh, that could have gone sideways. But, but because it, it grabbed his attention to where he woke up and realized, oh, shit, I made a mistake here. Yeah. Uh, and and now I've got to, in some ways, earn the respect back of Sean Jarvis. Yeah. Yeah. I And, and I felt bad after the fact because, number one, it is a training environment. But mm-hmm. I take training seriously. Yeah. I always have. I always will. It, it just, you know, you train how you fight. And, yeah. Um, and I've seen direct results of good training. I've seen direct results of bad training. So in, in that instance, when I get into those situations, I take it seriously. And I, I do still see it as a training event, but I keep it real. And, and that, in my mind, is where emotion is good, but only to a level to where you can control it, right? So it's like everything else we do. It's controlling your emotions to a point to where it's advantageous, it's a combat multiplier, and you're not taking away from the event, from the people, from you know whatever else is going on. Um, so going full circle back around, is emotion good or, or detrimental or bad or whatever? I think it's great. I think emotion is what sets us apart from um, a lot of our peers, that you know foreign peers or foreign foreign services where. Part of the emotion is is being sad, being happy, being funny. Emotion covers everything. 
So I think when you pose that question, I think most people are going to go directly to the negative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's not where I go with it. I, I you know, I'm, my thought is very positive. My thought is, you know, cheering people on during the Ganey Cup. My yeah. thought is being, you know, at, at DMPRC and being in the AAR room and watching my dudes pop something down with a sensing round and then throw three more through it. And I know that they're going to walk away with a distinguished. I mean, that emotion is going to be hugs. That's going to be high fives. Hey, good job. I mean, I, I think about stuff like that and it gets me hype. That's what makes us different. And that's what I believe. And Kyle, you got to correct me if I'm wrong on this. What really drives soldiers to want to be better. So, uh, yeah, 100%, especially with some of the guys that we get, um, maybe they've never had a positive male role model before. And so they don't know what positive male emotion looks like. It could still be intense, but it's still positive male emotion, yeah. right? Yeah. And so when they see this, and it could be something, you could be getting your ass chewed for something you did, but it's still positive male emotion trying to help you become something better. And they don't, they can't process it. They don't understand. So you have to. It's foreign. Yeah, it, it's very foreign to them. So you have to kind of, you have to lead into guys like that. Now, guys like me, you could give me a dad talk and I was a puddle. Like, yeah. oh my God, somebody's disappointed in me. Like I'm, you know, done. Um, and that kind of emotion um, it what worked for me. Um, but other guys, it took maybe a little bit of negative emotion but still coming from a good place. And so when you say there's emotion in everything, you're 100% right. And a leader should be able to use emotion as a tool, as that asset, yeah, and not have it be a liability. That, that is the true sign of a leader who can get thing, get points across to people, who can really connect with their, uh, their subordinates. Yeah. They can use emotion to kind of move the needle. They can carry the guide on and get the team to run a little bit faster. Um, they can be that guy at the AAR that keeps it pumped up, even though you're on your third night run because you can't pass what you finally do. Yeah. And there's, there's, you know, you stayed with it. That's awesome. Yep. That's where this emotion is coming from. Yeah. Um, can be emotional and be maybe a little more less guarded in front of his new family, the people he stands in front of every day. That's okay. I, I got one for you. Strength. You find a lot of strength in weakness, right? Mm-hmm. So to be able to show weakness nowadays is a sign of strength. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, we talked about Daniel Pinion. Yeah. You know, here are my weaknesses. This is what I'm doing to make myself better. But you look at the stature and you look at the way he carries himself and you look at the things that he's accomplished through other people and his weaknesses, quote unquote, I'm air quoting people, quote unquote, those are his strengths. And I mean, that was amazing to be able to see that. I went to an event <clears throat> I probably shared this on the podcast before and I've shared it in other circles, but I went to an event a long time ago in uh, New York city. There was all kinds of, you know, guest speakers and stuff that it came in that uh, Colin Powell and not just military, but also um, major civilian um, speakers and stuff that were there that, you know, you people follow for business reasons and all that kind of stuff. But there was this one, we just came back from lunch and there was this one individual um, that had on there about strengths and weaknesses. And 
I found it initially when he first started off just thinking, oh my gosh, this is boring. This is not a topic I want to listen to. But Sean, when I found that uh, when you were talking about um, weaknesses and everything and, and how that individual um, talked about their weaknesses, one of the things that resonated with me about this individual who was speaking was he said, too often in society, we think that we have to identify our weakness and spend an enormous amount of time proving to others that we can take our weakness into a strength. He goes, let me tell you a story about Tiger Woods. And he says, Tiger Woods uh, was really good about driving off the tee. He could almost, you know, in many cases, put it right on the green. And that was great because his putting followed with that fairly well as, uh, as well. So, but when he went into a trap, a sand trap, he struggled. And so he spent an enormous amount of time then working with the pro to work on his short game and as well as his, um, you know, getting in bad situations, tra uh, sand traps and, you know, off the, uh, the main the fairway and everything. <clears throat> and what ended up happening is his drives, you know, all of a sudden started getting worse. And so the power, the one thing that he had that he could then take advantage of with the second strength that he had, he lost that power because his grip, his focus and everything was all on the thing that he focused on at the moment. And so what this guy was talking about is how about we set, instead of looking to society of people's weaknesses, let's start focusing on their strengths and let's build up their strengths. Yeah. And in teams, we do this already and trying to find where somebody's weakness is, but we fill it with someone else's strengths mm -hmm. and in doing so. And, um, so I think sometimes as um, leaders tying this back around is I think sometimes sometimes people get really emotional about individuals who are struggling with that weakness and they can't seem to keep up when the reality is you're not doing the right leadership. You're focusing too much on that weakness when you should be lifting that person up and being more positive in your approach for the individual and their strengths. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a good segue into this next little anecdote. If you're ready. Go ahead. All right. Awesome. So, PT, real yep. big for me, um, and good for you. That's what you told me yeah. at the time, at least. Good yeah. for you. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I tell people that I bring a little bit of different flavor to my leadership style, and I think everybody says that, but I'm, I'm, I'm fairly certain that mine was a little different, right? One of, those, one of those styles as I started to grow into my first sergeantship and getting ready to become a young sergeant major was um, – how to make PT fun, something super simple, right? How do you make PT fun? We have turned PT or physical training into this monster. And, and it's one that either somebody's really good at and has learned to tame or one that's just going to continue to haunt them and jump out of their closet at night. It just sucks for some and it's great for other people. The gym goers and all this other, they love PT, hate running, love PT, right? The people that are good analytically, that sit behind a computer and and are very super smart, maybe not big into PT, they need it, but it's always going to be a weakness for them. I tried to find the happy medium. And so I found the one thing that everybody struggled at, which should be the easiest part of your day, which was the APFT. Yep. So I took the APFT and I tried to make it fun. How do you make the APFT fun? Well, I used to take music out there. I took the, the concept of CrossFit, trademarked, right? And I took the concept of teamwork, 
and and motivating people and putting emotion behind the physical training and couple that with some motivating music and then you put that into an environment where people are getting tested where everybody feels like they have to be quiet i don't ever remember seeing that in the so manual. yeah like when we did pt tests with them it was usually it's everyone turn around face that way while this person's testing this time it was all about camaraderie it's all about what do we got to do what do we got to say to him to get him to get that yeah. next rep i had the whole team that's awesome ball. and you had some of the best pt scores like we talked about wasilevich yeah. we talk about uh richard scott um you know, Ganyan. Luke Walrod. Usually those, APFTs are like a uh, going to church. No. Everybody's quiet. No, and, these no, dudes no. were just. Except oh, for the people loud. counting off. Yeah. And, no. And it was. Music blaring. So what I would do is, is I would force people 30 seconds out. Next person up is up. And they are in that ass. They're yelling at them. They're getting it. Come on. You got it. One more rep. Let's go. Let's go. I mean, we're getting after it. And people are yelling. I got goosebumps just thinking about it. Because people got so motivated behind it, they put so much emotion behind it that they didn't feel like that this event that usually just emasculated them. It either some, makes their day or it ruins their day, right? Yeah. It either validates them or it, it kills them. Or everybody just does their best. Yep. And we had some really good and, – and the failures, you know what? That's fine. We'll fix that in PT. People are going to fail. I'm not going to chastise you for failing. Look, if you're eating too much – We'll fix that. How many nutritional counseling sessions did I have? How many people changed because of these positive counseling sessions? Because yep. we didn't make you the enemy because you couldn't fit this mold. We made you fit the mold through motivation and and just energizing you to do the right thing. I mean, yep. I was the Sean T of Bravo Troop. Yeah, but with what he's trying to wrap all this up is without emotion and without being vulnerable to your soldiers or your subordinates. You're never going to get that yeah. that result out of it. Well, let's go the other direction then, <clears throat> because there's two different types of leaders sometimes you've seen on the spectrum. And we we talked about this, I think, last night at dinner a little bit. The, the always intense, in-your-face, constantly aggressive leader. Positive? No. No. Cool, dude. Got it. But it's not – that's not the guy that you want. Because more often times than not, that guy is reliant upon two or three things that he's great at. And he's, from my own experience, not putting this on anybody else, but he sucks at everything else. Instilling fear. Yep. Um, intimidation. Intimidation. Yep. And yep. then focuses on the things that he or she is good at. Mm -hmm. Yep. And um, to the point of almost being a bully. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you're not sniper qualified, you're not yeah. or whatever. That's yeah, that guy. whatever. Those yeah, guys, yeah. As, a, as opposed to, hey, you want to go to sniper school? Mm -hmm. All right, let's go through the foundational work. Let's get it. Yeah. And so that's that's I think that's where the the mindset, the culture that was a part of what we grew up in, Kyle, was yep. was that of growth. And um, I mean, I'm not even trying to sound corny. We were our own support group. We didn't need outside support. We gave each other support yeah. to the point to where other people wanted to be a part of that support. Yeah. And I felt bad for the rest of the squadron, right? But at the end of the day, I have to take care of, you know, the 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 welfare of my troop. Um, but I carried that over into the relationship that I have with the other first arms. 
we were one team, one fight. I mean, it, it really was. We all helped each other out as much as we could. There was no animosity between any of the leadership, and it was great. We just, I mean, happened to do it better. <laughs> so what about the other side? The negative? The calm. No, no, no. That, that guy was a negative, the aggressor usually. But what about the calm, maybe in some cases too meek um, type of leader? Uh, you got the Kevin Humphreys of the world who are calm, and I wouldn't call them meek. They mm-hmm. they let their their confidence. That's it to me. That's more in between. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he the, had a you confidence. can be a calm, but continue on because yeah. I think yeah. that's an important. The, the, the confidence is what what drove people to follow him, and so he wasn't necessarily emotionless. He just didn't have a lot of emotion behind what he did, but he had a lot of skill behind what he did, and then based off of that. Um, people understood that that was the person that they needed to emulate. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to be anybody that I didn't want people to try to emulate me. I wanted them to appreciate my leadership style and then to carry that style. I don't want you to be Sean Jarvis. I want you to either like the leadership style and be my first or second follower to it. And, you know, kind of take that with you or, or find facets of it that you like or little nuances of it that you think are going to be successful for you and take that on to wherever you're going. But I don't ever want anybody to be me. I want them to, to like the things that I've done for them through my leadership. Kevin just existed. And so his very raw emotion that he would show every once in a great while during training events, if he knew that you were not doing the best that you could Mm -hmm. was enough to keep people away from that emotion. Yep. And that was powerful, super powerful. But when he was happy, he was like a dad. He was like a big brother. He was one of those guys. You didn't have to know he was in charge when he walked in the room. He was in charge of every room. I had to tell this man to wear his bolo badges when mm-hmm. he was around people and his scroll is his combat patch. Yeah. He's like, first art. You make me wear all my stuff today. He used said, to walk yes. around with a broken TV. Yeah. And his, his captain bars. And that was it. What? Well, I mean, he wore his ranger tab, well, he wore but his he wouldn't, but he would, he would never wear his combat tab. No. And he wouldn't wear his master parachutist and he wouldn't wear his lickies and chewies. Nothing, over there. None of it. I mean, this is a dude that was probably in Afghanistan with a full-grown beard. Yeah, multiple deployments. And and a dog wearing civilian right. clothes, right? Yeah, the within, within like hours of the first people being. Yeah, like, <laughs> he was, but you would never know that. Nope. To be honest with you, his uniform looked like shit. I'd, I, would have to, <laughs> I would have to clean him up. That's where my raw emotion came yeah. from. Like, sir, I'm your first sergeant. If you walk into this meeting looking like that, they're going to look at me, and I'm failing you. Put some shit on your uniform. Yeah. <laughs> I had to change out his third ID patch a couple times. We'd walk into the troop office and he'd be wearing a smoker's jacket, no <laughs> shoes on with a pair of ACU bottoms and Unbuttoned. just con- conducting business. Yeah. Sweet smoker's jacket. But, sir, it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Uh, we probably need to put some uniforms <laughs> on we, at this point. Can we take the shower shoes off, sir? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. those shower shoes all the time. Well, but, you what we're also talking about, though, is um, how is it that you see or how do you believe that you can gain influence over others in leadership? And what amount of emotion do you think you need to use? So does it vary? And you gave an example earlier. Does it vary based on an occasion uh, or you, what's the best approach? Are you talking about how do I gain 
Are we talking about gaining followership through emotion or am I a subordinate trying to? You're a leader trying to gain influence over others. Okay. So to lead. We call that buy-in. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So is emotion one of those things that can vary based on the occasion or what is the best type of leader? Yeah, I think a genuine leader is the best type of leader. Mm -hmm. And so within genuine in that large umbrella can be emotion. It could be a lack of emotion. It could be, it's, I I think if we, I mean, it's emotions everywhere, Mm -hmm. right? I'm, I can be sarcastic. I can be, I can be sad. I can be, so however you feel, as a person, you're going to be able to convey your message and then get people to, you know, execute your will. If that means you're using a lot of emotion, then great. If not, then that's not your leadership style. So I think it's an important facet of it. Did I use that word twice today? Facet? Yeah. Well, you're killing it. I don't know. What are you doing? I mean, it's crushing. I was trying to get congruence in there somewhere, <laughs> but I don't think I got that one in. That one or juxtaposition. juxtaposition. Oh, that one drives me nuts. Juxtapose. I actually had to learn how to use that a few years back. People got tired of me. <laughs> anyway, so the emotion behind you as a leader is is going to be contingent on the environment that you're in. Yeah. And, and so, you know, if we're just sitting and, and shooting the shit, I'm going to use humor and I'm going to use camaraderie and fellowship as a means to bring us closer together. So when we do go out into a point in our, you know, family here in the military and we hit something that's an obstacle, we can take what we learned here from a positive emotion and we can make it something better out there through concentration, you know, and, and getting it done without bringing negative emotion to it. Yeah. Is that? Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. It did. So, to be a genuine leader, we've talked about this word genuine. Mm-hmm. Like you said, emotion is everywhere. Um, I think part of being genuine and part of you know being a good leader is knowing when to turn that on mm-hmm. and when to turn it off. Like like I had started at the beginning, like the standard is emotionless. So when talking about the standard, we're not using emotion there. Yeah. But when we're talking about someone's effect or someone's uh, how the the standard affects them. It is okay to, you know, use emotion to convey a point as long as we are not abusive or we are not um, negligent in anything that we're saying. Because yeah. um, I've, I've lost, I've gotten emotional with soldiers and I've lost my cool, much to this man's knowledge. Um, so have I, though. And so, and, and, seen it. and it's <laughs> like, we got to, that sucks as a leader is going back and say, hey man, I lost my cool. Um, it's not, that was, that was me. That wasn't you. Um, and I apologize as a leader that, that kind of what, it doesn't set you back, but it feels that way sometimes. Yeah. As the leader. yeah, yeah. You have to humble yourself, swallow your pride. And, yes. And, um, that is where taking that negative emotion, you're able to turn that negative or that, um, liability into an asset at that point. Yeah. So that's the cool thing about emotion is it can always come back to help you. Just Take, like it can snap back the other way to hurt you, it can always come back to help you if you use it the right way. So bring it bring it back home. Yes. Using emotional intelligence, emotional uh, emotions within leadership. But what does it mean? Well, I mean you've got a you've got a responsibility to convey yourself as a leader at all times. Part of that is being able to dictate when to use certain emotions in order to get people to exercise what you want them to do. 
when you say it like that, it makes it sound very calculated and like I'm manipulating you, right? So a lot of people talk about how leadership is nothing more than... Controlled uh, manipulation. Yeah, it's just yeah. controlled manipulation. And it's an easy way for me to get you to do what I want you to do through the right implementation of emotion. You look at a lot of manipulation books, and that's exactly what it is. Mm -hmm. I use the word genuine because at that point, I'm using the way that I genuinely feel to convey what I want, and that natural emotion is going to come out. So I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm going to speak to you the way that I think is going to get you to do what you, what I want you to do. But I'm doing it from a place of love. I'm doing it from a place of, of genuine um, respect for you as a person because I would never ask you to do something that I, I wouldn't do myself. And then whatever emotion comes with that is going to be natural to my request. If that makes sense. Yeah.